shift happens. I can't! Hello everyone out there, how you're going? It's Ryan here, Ryan Hassan, the host of this podcast, Shift Happens. This is a show where I get to sit down with people who are bloody amazing people, people who have gone through some shit in their lives and after going through that process have got their shit together and it's just like the best thing ever. I love speaking to people who've gone through the fire and come out the other side. So today is no different. Today I've got another Ryan on the show. My guest is Ryan Harry, a guy who has a great story. We had a great chat. He was incarcerated for four and a half years, so spent quite a bit of time in prison. Uh, The last year of that four and a half years, he was involved in what's called the football release program I think it's called so people were allowed to who were in prison are allowed to go out and um, engage in a football program and he was playing for the Beechworth Football Club and we go right into that program what he was able to get out of it but also more about you know his time whilst he was in jail what he learnt what he'd gone through in there and and also his life outside now where he's running his own business he's engaged he is a lovely guy just a beautiful person um and yeah he's someone who's really turned his life around and you know for all those people out there who want to write people off and stigmatize them if they've been behind bars listen to this because it will absolutely change your mind um enjoy the episode guys i'm going to ask a favor before we get started Can you look after my dog next week? No, not that. Can you please, if you listen to this podcast, could you just take a moment and subscribe to the show uh, and just give us a five-star review? That would mean so much to me. It just takes a couple of minutes and just means the podcast can reach a lot more people and we can get it out there a lot more. So guys, without further ado, here is my guest. For all the show notes, everything we spoke about, head on over to shpodcast.com.au. That's shpodcast.com.au. And here is my chat with Ryan Harry on The Ryan and Ryan Show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hassan. It could be called The Ryan and Ryan podcast today because I have another Ryan on, Mr. Ryan Harry. How are you, mate? Good. Good. Thanks Thank for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, the link we have, we were connected by Bianca. Now, Bianca Hawkins, who was on episode, I think it's number five of this podcast, is your fiance. Yes. Yes. When did you get engaged? Uh, earlier this year at the Ed Sheeran concert, actually. At the Ed Sheeran concert? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Got down on one knee? Oh, not quite. It sort of didn't happen as I had in my head, but yeah. I was pretty nervous. So. <laughs> it never does. But she said yes, that was the main thing. Yeah, yeah you got the result. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the process is if you get the result. That's right. She hasn't changed her mind yet. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you were saying uh, wedding plan for 2020? Uh, yeah, April 2020. April 2020, mate. Yeah, it's yeah. happening. A couple more years, then you're a taken man. Yeah, hopefully that's not too long. She won't change her mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she won't, mate. Now, you've sort of uh, come off the... Uh, interchange bench or out of the the medical ward to, to be here today yeah a football injury yeah not not long out of surgery so yeah what happened um no i had a collision with someone's knee yeah and uh a couple of plates later and so a couple of trips to the hospital your cheekbone came off second best with the knee oh, i think the majority of my head did on one <laughs> side of it so <laughs> and where do you play footy uh beechworth beechworth all right, that leads us into uh, the first topic I want to discuss. So there has been 
uh, in the news recently some debate or talk around the is it called the the football prison program or uh, football release program football release program yeah and so you were a part of that program ah uh, yeah yep that's how I got involved yeah with yeah tell us a little little bit about the program and how it works um, it's basically a program Beechworth runs it with the local football league um, up there the Tullangata League yep uh, f- just to help the local footy club out and help the uh, guys in the prison, which is a minimum security up there, mm-hmm. out with their transition back into the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an opportunity there to uh, go out and train and potentially be selected to, to play. So you're out, you get a bit of interaction with the local community and I suppose normal people yep. back out and doing normal things. Yeah, right. And so. Y- how long were you a part of that program? Was it for one season? Uh, yeah, or a season and the pre-season of the, the following season. Then I was released and uh, yeah. conti- was invited back by the club and right. continued up there for the last so couple of years. So you played for them as part of the program. Then when you got out of uh, prison, you kept playing for them? Yeah. Yep. And tell me, how important was that program sort of to your recovery and your transition back into normal life? Um, invaluable. Yeah. I reckon the program for me personally it was and I think for anyone that has the opportunity for it you know I did uh, I had four and a half years uh, minimum sentence yep um, so for oh, probably close to three and a half years I didn't really have any interaction with anyone outside of the, the prison um, or the employees other than the family that was visiting me and a few mates yeah. um, so the opportunity to get out and sort of reintegrate a little bit and get a bit of confidence back you sort of understandably I suppose if you're in prison you, you think that everyone's you're going to have that stigma with you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. um, and everyone's sort of that's all they're going to see when they look at you yeah um, and the, the guys up in the community in the club up there you know never once did I feel judged or feel like I was treated any differently to anyone else up there amazing so. I can only imagine how much that would help with the transition coming out because like you said I'm sure you get really obviously isolated you're physically isolated from the outside world but i imagine yeah the thoughts in your mind would be everyone sort of outside of these walls are going to be kind of looking down and judging me when i come out of here so to know that they're not is um is really cool how did you initially find out about the program you'd obviously been in there for three and a half or so years um you sort of transition from maximum security to minimum security if you're doing all the right things in there um and then when I reached Beechworth, they do a bit of an induction and run you through the opportunities that they have there with work in the jail and programs and, um, you know, pre-release stuff. Yeah. And um, I'd already heard of about the footy program and um, before my induction met the governor or one of the governors and he was involved with the footy club pretty heavily and used to sort of be on the lookout, I think, for potential players and got talking to him and... Um, mentioned at, at my induction that I'd uh, played footy and was interested in that and then it's just a matter of uh, I think it was three months you had to be at, at that jail um, incident free and doing the right thing and working in there and, and everything yeah. to uh, be looked at. So you had, you had to be eligible by like you said doing the right thing? Yeah well I mean you've already got to be eligible to reach a minimum security prison Yeah. Um, so if you're doing the wrong thing there already you're not going to get there so yeah but I sort of kept my head down and managed to stay out of trouble and did everything that I had to do to yeah. move forward and get you know that step closer each time to coming home. Yeah, nice. And what was that that first time that you went out? Was that to like a training session? Yeah, to a training session. What was so that like? 
I was pretty nervous. nervous. Yeah, yeah, very nervous. There was a couple other new guys um, to the club. I went out with a fellow that had been involved with the program last year, so he was still at the jail. Yeah. Um, so that sort of made it. He knew what to expect, and I'd sort of been picking his brain a bit. Yeah, and, trying uh, to get an idea of what yeah, it's going to be like. I really had no idea. I expected to, you know, come out there and everyone's just staring at you, and yeah. everyone's too scared to talk to you, and all the rest of it. Yeah. But um, didn't get that at all. There was one fella. It was it was pretty funny. He was a new guy to the club, um, and we were sort of got talking. He said, "Oh, I heard they let prisoners come out here and play," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that as well." <laughs> And then Do they really? later on we were playing on each other um, in one of the drills and uh, he said to me, I oh, said, so what do you do with yourself? And I said, oh, I'm actually one of the prisoners. <laughs> and he sort of went a bit quiet and I didn't know, he didn't know whether I was joking or being serious. And uh, yeah, then we got talking and he said, oh, you know, oh, I thought it was a joke. And yeah. But so I didn't know how he'd taken it at first. So <laughs> I sort of stopped talking, but. And then once he got a bit more let talkative it, let about him it. process that and yeah then. and then you know the more that I got to know the guys there because you, you train with everyone so you're involved with the kids from probably 12 years old to the other guys in the seniors I was one of, I think the oldest in the seniors mm-hmm. um, but so eventually everyone gets a bit more comfortable with you and you know you get talking and yeah. they're happy to ask you questions about yourself and your personal life in jail yeah. and and I mean it helps break the stigma from the other person's point of view as well yeah definitely because he's sort of thinking oh this you know do you know they let prison people play here and yeah. then talking to you like and then you say that and then he thinks oh but this guy's fine he's like normal and well, that's, easy to get that's along exactly with. right and even the guys once I started playing the games and stuff I didn't really I was pretty nervous going out to that because then you're with you get to know the guys at the club and everyone and they're pretty good but then once you're involved with more people, the circle gets a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And even though you cop a bit of flack, or I copped a bit of flack. Cause, um, what kind of flack? Oh, you know, you're criminal and not, nothing. That, it's just water off a duck. Yeah. You sort of laugh from, it off. From say, like opposition teams? Opposition teams and supporters. Yeah. And uh, you sort of laugh it off and say, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah. I've been much worse than that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's nothing ever that goes any further than the game. It's just banter on the field and, yeah. and it's left there. Yeah. Um, but at first, I didn't really know how to take it, or what should I say something back, or yeah. But you know, then I got comfortable with it, and I was happy to laugh it off and yeah, and get on with bit, it, have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. And um, so, what's the the debate that's been going around at the minute? I haven't been keeping up too much with it, but it's been in the news recently about this program. It it's basically just around whether it should be running at all, and okay. who should potentially be allowed out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the crime that's seen you end, in, end up in prison and whether that you should be allowed So based to come on back the out. crime, should you be allowed yeah. to, to yep. partake? Um, and, you know, the effect it has on the family yeah. and the, the victim's family. And, and um, Yeah, okay. So from your point of view, obviously you're a, an advocate for the program. It's done amazing um, for you and your transition back, yeah, into, back into life. Um, what do you think should be the eligibility criteria? Is it what it is now is fine or is there Um, anything you'd change? My attitude towards it is at the end of the day, everyone's getting out anyway um, and everyone that's eligible is at the end of their sentence. So I think that everyone should be given the opportunity to, but possibly there should be something where that they might let the victim's family know depending on the crime so that they don't find out about it through the media or mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely a program that needs to continue running and yeah. 
And what about the other guys uh, from the prison that were going with you to play as well? That really benefited them as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it just, I think it's just confidence in coming home and you just have that confidence in yourself and the confidence that other people, you know, that there's going to be life, opportunity in life for you after, mm-hmm. after prison um, because it's easy to go into prison and come out worse off. You've sort of got to make a conscious effort not to get bogged down in everything that's going on in there and mm-hmm. just sort of keep your eye on the prize a bit, I, mean, I Being that isolated for, you know, I know a number of people who've spent four or more years in there and that getting out is like, they tell me it's such a weird experience because if they haven't had an experience kind of like yours, I'm sure you had this experience as well, but without having any contact with the outside world and then going back out into normal life, it can take six months, a year, two years to actually properly integrate back into society. Oh, for sure. I thought I was pretty normal coming home, but then, you know, I'd sit in my room. Um, I had to go back to mum and dad's for parole and they'd sort of set the room up and everything and I'd sit in there, wouldn't have the TV on, wouldn't have the radio on, and I'd just sit in there and mum would come in and say, you know, why don't you come out and sit with us? I'd say, no, no, I'm, I'm happy sitting here. Yeah. And um, other habits, like I, there was a certain type of bowl I wanted which I had to have and I made a big deal. No, I want this sort of bowl and this shape and yeah. I don't want a glass one, I want a plastic one. And yeah. at the time I didn't think anything of it, but looking back now, we all sort of have a laugh about it. <laughs> and was the, the bowl and everything similar to what you'd had? I just had a routine that I'd had for, you know, two years. Yep. Um, and I suppose routine, you, you, you know better than me. I spent two nights in jail, so I haven't got the same experience. Oh, it's all routine. I imagine routine is what keeps you together. Yep. Yep. So, in a, I mean, I, I sort of have a... Sort of, I'm a creature of habit now, even, yeah. but it's nowhere near as bad as what it was for yeah. me. Do you still have that bowl? I've still got the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, let's trace back a bit of your story now and kind of your shift and everything. So, uh, four and a half years yep. in jail. How long in the maximum security? Uh, well, I did some in remand, which was mm-hmm. um, in the maximum. So, I think all up, it was probably close to 18 months in yep. the maximum. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, probably 12 months or so in a medium and then yeah. 18 months or so in a, in a minimum. Yeah, and so what, apart from keeping, you know, your routine and everything, what kind of helped you through that period? You know, even that 18 months in maximum or bits after that, is there certain things that helped you get through that without, you know, going crazy or getting yourself in trouble or anything? Oh, family, definitely. Yep. Um, you definitely find out who you mean something to family and friends yeah um you know the novelty of the whole thing wears off pretty quickly for a lot of people so you visit you know at the start you get two or three visits a week and slowly over as it mm. you know the weeks turn into months and years they drop off pretty quickly bit of a filtering process of <laughs> yeah which <laughs> has been good be for me thick and thin, um, yeah. i had a lot of people around that oh, i definitely wasn't good for them um but they definitely weren't good for me yeah either so um you know, the guys that I've got around me now, even though a lot of them are the same people, um, I think what happened to me or, you know, what I went through was definitely an eye-opener for them. Yeah. Um, sort of helped them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, f- four or five years is a long time, so they've sort of grown up a bit and moved forward. Absolutely. And so how often would you get visits from family and that kind of thing? Um I'd get I'd get a visit every week yeah. from someone. Mum and Dad would always come. If I wasn't getting a visit, they'd come yep. no matter where I was. Um, so I got a visit. Yeah. Are you um, really look forward to that time of the week, obviously? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
like my brothers and my sister, um, I'd always look forward to them. Um, I had a pretty close relationship with them and it sort of faded a bit, I suppose, um, as I sort of got lost in everything before I got arrested. And yeah. um, But my sister and my brother-in-law and nieces, um, I had a pretty close relationship with and I think I used to drive them insane, ringing them non-stop. Yeah. But I enjoyed talking to the kids. and Yeah. And just finding out kind of what's happening in their life and that kind of thing. Yeah, I just that familiar voice. Yeah. Um, before I got arrested, I lived with them for a bit, um, and I have a pretty close relationship with my nieces. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, and that's probably stronger now than it's ever been. Yeah. And uh, tell me about your life. What was Ryan's life like um, before prison and leading up to that? Um, probably from an outsider, it looked pretty good, but for me. It was a mess. My whole life, basically, I worked and all that, um, but it was only so that I could spend the what started off as two days a week partying and slowly grew to four or five or six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably, even till the day I got arrested, I still didn't realise how much of a problem it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know, probably it was six months into my time in prison that it. I don't know what it was that clicked, but something the just clicked. And I thought, well, you know, I was still, I was one of those people that was not always blaming everyone else, but I definitely wasn't willing to take any of the responsibility yeah, myself. In denial a bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, until I sort of thought, well, it's me that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> or what okay. I'm doing is the problem. Yeah. And so from the outside looking in, things are looking okay. So yeah, you, you know, were I always to keep had a good job. And, up and everything and, you know, I'll, just things I think things just look good I trained I was healthy yeah I had a good job all the time you know I wasn't I wasn't rich but I wasn't poor I had enough money to do what I wanted to do yeah um, not that I was doing a great deal constructive with it but yeah it um yeah my whole life revolved around the weekends which were yeah. getting longer and longer getting longer and longer <laughs> yeah they grow don't they well now I look back and I think I don't even know how I used to get up and go to work you know I haven't had um, any alcohol or drugs since the day I was arrested, which yeah. is uh, be coming up to six years. Yeah. And you know, if I have a late night where I'm awake till midnight, I wake up the next day feeling like yeah. I've <laughs> been drinking all night. Yeah. And I think, well, I don't know how I used to get up and do this day I, after day. I had that back in um, in March. It was my birthday, and we had a dinner down here in Mordialic, and um, you know, it was maybe 15, 20 of friends and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'll have a couple of drinks, you know, and. Yeah, I, I might have had four or five beers, you know, nothing. And then I remember waking up the next day and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> How did I used to stay up for three days and drink all this and then go to work? I'm dreading that feeling. No doubt I'll <laughs> I'll have uh, a beer again one day. And uh, but it definitely, I won't need many to have that feeling. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a combination of how much we abused ourselves, but also getting a bit older. Oh, definitely. I was conditioned differently. <laughs> Tell me about, you said you realised maybe six months into prison that your life was a bit of a mess and how much of it you'd created. Was there a moment you can remember when you sort of, that penny did drop? Um, def- I started going to uh, the NA meetings in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'd never done anything like that before. Um, and just listening to the other people, you know, as, as hard as I've thought my life's been and as bad as I thought it's been, um, I definitely met some people in the prison system that, you know, they would have killed for my life. Mm. Um, you know, they've just been up against it their whole life. 
um, and had some horrible things happen to them and go wrong for them. Um, and I think talking to them and just about their experiences with things and just made me realise that, you know, my life wasn't that bad at all. Yeah. And I was making it bad for myself. Yeah. And, man, that realisation as well that, you know, we're not alone. Yeah. Like, d- well, a lot of the times I'd listen to their stories and I'd think, well, are you telling your story or my story? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you, it sort of – and I got to talk to some of them out of the group and you get pretty close to people in there because you're around them all the time and, you, I don't know, you just realise that you're not the only one that's been through all this stuff or going through this stuff and, you know, got these thoughts going through their head. Yeah, oh, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a massive one. Yeah, I used to think that as well. I'd have just the most self-defeating, self-hating thoughts. And I'm like, gee, there must just be something wrong with my wiring in my brain. Like, yep. And then when you realise other people have those same thoughts, it's like it's not nice knowing other people have those thoughts, but it's kind of soothing at the same time to know that you're not alone and other people are going through that as well. And the more that I do this work, I realise that pretty much everyone has those thoughts. Yeah, well, 100%. I had some battles with mental health and um, ended up in the um, mental health ward at Clayton after a couple of suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. And I probably hadn't dealt with any of that. That was three or four years before I ended up in prison, but probably hadn't dealt with any of that or properly and I think just going through the court system and just having everything out in the open gave me the opportunity to start I'd I'd sort of started fresh but not fresh but everything was out there then and I had the opportunity to really start fresh with everyone like my family and that everyone knew everything yeah it's nice to get everything out in the open isn't it I was just you feel like a new person yeah exactly so would you sort of say you know previous to prison and everything you sort of had that very male belief that you can't be vulnerable and let people see that you're struggling 100 percent. and i don't know i was probably always worried what will what will what will they think you know what will you don't want to seem weak or it was more you know how will they look at me whereas now i don't know what it is that's changed but now i just couldn't care less what anyone yeah well you're you're owning your story (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then it's funny when we start to own our story and we can be vulnerable and then all of a sudden the people around us they don't think any of you less of us. They actually respect us way yeah, more. They actually think more. And, you yeah. know, and they're more comfortable to talk to you about the same stuff that they're going through as well. Yeah. And then you go, why did I spend 30 years of my life <laughs> being exactly this right. bottled up, you know, thing yeah. of anxiety? <laughs> um, okay, so you started to, you know, go to some NA meetings. You started to hear these stories, which were reminding you of your own stories and starting to identify with other people. Um what were some other maybe turning points? Did you do any other programs or any um, counselling or anything whilst you're in prison? I did every program that pretty much they would let me do, just as I wanted every opportunity to come home at the earliest possible date. Yep. Even though I went for bail when I was on remand, and I was shattered when I didn't get it. Um, and then another, I was on remand for a year, um, and by that time I'd realised that that was actually a blessing in disguise for me not getting bail because I hadn't realised that drugs were a problem for me, that alcohol was a problem for me and oh, there's not a doubt in my mind that I would have came home and, and continued exactly where I'd left off and yeah. probably ended up doing something worse and ended up with twice as long in jail or yeah. ended up dead. Yeah, it's funny how we can look back and see that was a blessing whereas at the time I'm sure it was the most crushing thing you could hear. Oh, I was devastated. I reckon I... You know, I was, I was 
didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. You know, I couldn't even talk to anyone because I was that upset. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're taking on all these new programs and you decide at this point that when you did get out that the drugs and alcohol and everything were a thing of the past. Yep. Yep. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And I think I used to be a stressor about things and now some people tell me that I, I don't care about things, which I do care, <laughs> but I definitely don't sweat any of the little stuff that I used to worry about. You know, I don't really sleep over things. Yeah. You know, I've sort of got that attitude. It'll be what it'll be. and Which is another silver lining of going through some really hectic experiences. Yeah, and I, th- I think I learned to live a lot simpler in jail because you don't have minimal amount of luxuries. Yeah. You know, um, if any, and now, you know, all those things that I thought I couldn't live without previously, you know. Yeah, like you said, you're you're in the room with no TV and no radio. Yeah. And that's like, that would be seen as quite strange in today's society, but it's just like being with yourself, right? (laughs) Yeah. Without having some external stimulus going on. Yeah, well, I think I just did, I just got to know myself again and I suppose found things that made me happy before... It was only the, the drugs and the yeah. alcohol and the partying that made me happy. Yeah, that's getting to know yourself. What were some of those things that used to make you happy? Um, sport, definitely. Footy, which I'd sort of given away. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone says, oh, I can't believe you drive three and a half hours every weekend to play footy. And I say, oh, that's only the home games, you know, the away games. <laughs> four hours, four and a half hours. But I just got to really love footy again and love the club up there um, and the guys in the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose previously I didn't... I worked, but I wasn't really working towards anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, um, Bianca coming into my life and being engaged and just... Well, you were working towards your six-day weekends, were you? <laughs> that's exactly right. That's it. Which were, you know, the majority of it I wouldn't remember anyway. Yeah. Um, but now, just... Like I... I just have a happiness now that I don't remember having before without the drugs, you know. I can't remember being happy just because I'm happy. Mm. Whereas now, and you know, I work, I work a lot, but I'm working towards something with Bianca, you know, the future and wedding and house and all that stuff that, you know, it makes me happy to see her happy, which I probably haven't had someone else in my life or cared enough about anything else. Yep. In for a long time. Yeah. So a lot more meaning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you said you got to know yourself a lot better in there. What's maybe one thing that you learn about yourself whilst you had a lot of that time in solitude? Um, a lot of patience and tolerance for things that I probably wasn't a very patient or tolerant person at all. Yeah. You know, especially if I was drinking, you know, I would probably get aggressive reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't, think, I don't even remember the last time I sort of got that way. Yeah. Um, so not having the drugs and alcohol in my life goes a long way for that. But just, I don't know, I was just in a rush all the time and had no patience for anyone else or anything yeah. that was slowing me down. Not that I was really going anywhere. Yeah. I just wanted to get there in a hurry. <laughs> the hamster wheel, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I need to go faster and faster and faster. Yep. But I'm not sure where I'm going. Exactly right. Yeah, it's like, you know, you think, you know, I, I'm trying to get to this thing that I'm doing tomorrow. And then you get to that thing and then automatically once you get there, you're like, no, what's the next thing? Yeah. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, and now I make a lot more effort um, with my family, which I probably, I've always had a close family, but I probably like to be perceived that I was making an effort. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't think that I really was like now I'm happy I like going and just seeing them and having a coffee and my aunties and uncles and that like just spending time with them which and they've always been there for me which has been good and I'm lucky to have yeah uh, which a lot of the bad decisions I made it would have been easy for all of them to sort of turn their back mm-hmm. um, and they never did and yeah I think now like just those simple things just family yeah it is those simple things isn't it yeah. Those simple things that would happen in the past and it's like the same kind of things happening but you're on a different place now yeah so you can enjoy that so much more I have the same thing like my relationship with my parents has never been closer after going through all that it's like one of the benefits and even just a phone call for 10 minutes is like awesome and I look forward to it whereas in the past it's like oh I've got to get this phone call over and done with and got to get back to doing my thing and back on that hamster wheel yeah um, so it's the simple things right yeah yep definitely it's beautiful what, what um, work are you doing now uh, I've got my own business so since coming home yeah um, paving and concreting which nice. sort of just hit the ground running everything just fell into place for me yeah is that domestic commercial um, a little bit of commercial, but predominantly domestic. domestic. Yeah, give it a plug. What's it called? Uh, ripe paving. Ripe. Yep. Ripe paving. Um, so yeah. And that you sort of started that straight after you got out. It sort of started itself before I even had a yeah. chance to start it, um, <laughs> which was good. Um, and you know, there's, I've got plenty of work, so it's a good problem yeah. to have. Yeah, that's um, good, mate. But I'm still sort of trying to find that balance between work and everything outside of work. Yeah. And um, back to some of the programs that you did in prison, um, what kind of things did you find uh, most beneficial when it came, apart from the footy one, but in regards to those programs that you did while you were in there? Um, just hearing other people's stories, yeah. I think, sort of resonated with me the most. Yeah. Um, their experiences, and so many different ones, but, you know, and they, they all landed us in the same spot. Um, and everyone sort of coming from all walks of life as well you know it's sort of you realize that it doesn't matter where you've come from you can all hit rock bottom yeah yeah we've all got our pain we've all got our story yeah <laughs> to varying degrees um all right cool let's run through i got a bit of a question round for you cool all right so there's some questions that i normally ask at the end of each episode um you can take as much time as you want to answer them just have a bit of a think so the first one's what negative emotional negative thought pattern do you think's held you back the most in your life um i've always been a real black and white thinker yeah which i probably still am a lot of the time but i'm working on it (laughs) um you know there's sort of they're either this way or that way there's no gray area yeah um and i've probably in the past just not dealt with you know I've made things a bigger deal than what they really are. Yep. And you know, one thing goes wrong and I'll just throw everything out All the window. All of a sudden everything's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now I'm sort of happy to stand back and yeah. work it out and deal with it and uh, move forward. Yeah, and like step back. You know, sometimes it's about stepping back and looking at the big picture yeah. as opposed to getting caught up in that one thing because we're so, we're so fickle as human beings. Like I'll get that like one tiny thing will go wrong. And the next minute in my mind, I'm like, oh, my whole life's fucked. Yep. Everything's fucked. That's definitely been me in There's the past. this. I was reading this book recently, and this is like the, the opposite version of that. But they were doing this um, study, and they would get people to uh, rate how their life, like overall, like how their life has been, yeah? And this answer these certain questions, like in all areas. Now, the whole idea of the study wasn't so much about the questionnaire itself, but 
before each person went to do this study, the person who was giving the study would just say, oh, can you go photocopy um, a bunch of these tests for the other people? So you have to go into this room next door and use the photocopier and print them off. Now they'll split into two groups. The first group would just go and photocopy the, the test. The other group would go in there and there was like, it was a dollar or a dime, but some like coin was just left on the cop photocopying machine. So half of the people who do it would go, oh fuck, a dollar, sweet. And they've just got a dollar. Then when they looked at the the uh, results of the test, the people who'd found the dollar on the photocopy machine rated their overall life as far better as the people who didn't. <laughs> just that small thing. It just depends what mood we're in now is how we kind of colour the world. It's yeah. so interesting. All right, cool. And you said um, that oftentimes when you would drink back in the past, you might get angry and aggressive, that kind of thing. Were you holding on to a lot of anger back then, do you think? Um yeah, definitely. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure what it was, but I think probably the, nearly every problem, big or small, that I was coming across, I just wasn't dealing with. Yeah, gotcha. All right, next question. What are you working on on yourself at the minute? You know, whether it's self development wise or a certain area of your life that you're working on. Um, just the way that I come across to people. Mm -hmm. I know in the past, just the way that I talk, the tone. And the words that I use have come across pretty hostile, whether I've meant it or not. Okay. Um, and still I find myself I get caught in that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to sort of just uh, – what's the word? I can't think of it. But Well, we only met in person for the first time today and you haven't come across that way at all. So whatever <laughs> you're doing is working. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good feedback. But yeah, just might choose suppose, clients who are late on their bills. <laughs> you get a bit that way. I suppose it just put myself in other people's shoes a bit, um, yeah. which I don't think I ever really did in the past. So that's that um, empathy piece. Yeah, definitely. So being able to, that's the word I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, we got it. So working on empathy, being able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Yeah, super important. Works as well with like if someone's getting angry at us, you know, like you know someone on is driving like a dickhead and cuts us off and everything and instead of going to their level and getting angry being like hey maybe their fucking girlfriends has dumped them or something you yeah. know or maybe they're going to a fucking job they hate you know, or, just yeah or just thinking well yeah well i can see how what i just did might have pissed them off yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh all right next question what habits or routines do you have in your life at the minute that best serve you you said you're a creature of habit what are some of those maybe habits or things you do daily that, that keep you on track um just getting up early in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, do you have the same time every day? Yeah, pretty much. I'm a, definitely a morning person. Yeah. You know, everyone tells me that I really bounce out of bed and yeah. bubbly and I'm told I'm annoying at that <laughs> hour of the day. Um, that's how you know you're a morning person. <laughs> yeah. I get the same thing. Um, but I think that's just if I start the day like that, my day generally continues like that. Yeah. Um, whereas if I sleep in and I wake up sluggish and that's generally tends to continue doesn't it for me yeah 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 that's and uh, just i just have a positive attitude i'm sort of more of a you know well we can work it out sort of attitude if okay it's not always going the way we want it so that's kind of uh a problem arises or a challenge and instead of then just dwelling on the problem it's more of a well hang on how do we i'm definitely a solution for a solution than a problem for, yeah nice finder. nice that makes life a lot easier <laughs> definitely <laughs> than being the problem addict uh, all right, next question. What resources, so this can be like books or documentaries or anything like that, um, can you recommend to people? 
Um, I can't think of any specifically, but I found I had a lot of time to read in jail and I read a lot of autobiographies. Yeah. Um, and they helped me just because, you know, all those, all the famous people are going through all the same problems as all the rest of us. And that, yeah, I think it just helped me feel better about it. Yeah. Even these people that society yeah. puts up on a pedestal. Yeah. They've got every, they've got this lifestyle and the money and the fame and all that, and, but they've still got all the same problems that we've got. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I think Jim Carrey says, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they could realise that's not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Was there one of those autobiographies that, that stands out to you the most? Uh, ben Cousins' one I read twice. Yep. Um, I suppose just because it was just a drug problem, similar yeah, to yep. myself. So. Yeah. You see, where's Ben going at the minute? Is he... Uh, he hasn't been back in, the in jail. Lately, so. Yeah. It might be going a little bit better for him. Yeah. Hopefully. We've got to get him over here. <laughs> Centre of healing. Um, all right. Next question. I can't remember the next question. So anyway, where can people um, get in touch or anything if they want to reach out? Um, the business. The business. <laughs> Concreting and paving. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any social media, but yeah. Bianca does. And yeah. So is that... Um, by design, the no social media? Um, I had it in the past and I only had Facebook, that was it. But yep. I just found myself wasting endless amounts of time <laughs> scrolling, yep. doing nothing and yep. sort of Bianca shows me the stuff I need to see now. She's like your filter. She's yeah, like, this is the important stuff. When did you get rid of it? Um, probably six months ago now, I reckon. Six months ago? Well, coming up to six months. Yeah. Um, I just thought my time could be better spent. Yeah. Um, what a reasonable point of view. <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> How's it been since you stopped? Um, good, I think. Although I, people tell me stuff that I've missed out on. Yeah. Um, but it's not much, is it? I forget, really? I forget a lot of birthdays now. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably the biggest thing. <laughs> that would be the biggest thing, wouldn't it? But no, nah, it's not the end of the world and my life's gone on perfectly. <laughs> So you're not on Facebook, but you still exist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Messenger. <laughs> on Messenger. Um, all right, mate. Beautiful. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Beautiful. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for talking about the prison football program and how much that's benefited you. The limited knowledge that I have of it. It sounds like a fucking great program. Well, hopefully, yeah, they can work it all out and it continues. And yeah, absolutely. People go on to absolutely. reap the rewards of it. Yeah. Just back, you just triggered my mind then. A lot of the people I think who get kind of uppity or pissed off at this kind of stuff is people who have that black or white thinking yeah. <laughs> that you were talking about. Has going through what you've been through, is that what's kind of getting you out of that black and white thinking? Because the black and white thinking is the generally that can be that older generation or yep. people say, so someone goes to prison and it's just, oh, write them off, you know, black or white. I don't want to know about their story and if they've turned things around or what they've done. I think definitely if a lot of those people, if they took the time talk to some people I mean there's plenty of people that go to prison and don't turn their life around but there's also plenty of people there's just as many that, that go to prison and do turn their life around mm. um, so we can't lump everyone in the same bucket can no we? exactly and if they took a bit of time to speak to some of the people that have had good outcomes mm -hmm. it might help to uh, change their view a little bit yeah okay and anyone out there who's struggling with you know drug issues alcohol issues mental health issues anything like that what advice do you have for them? Um, just keep going. You keep know, there's going. light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah. 
and we're all going through stuff, right? That's exactly right. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. We're all going through this shit. <laughs> we're all trying to find our way through life, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, I think it's amazing the turnaround that you've had um, spending four and a half years um, in jail to coming out, having your own business. You're engaged. Yeah, Congratulations. Life's going well for me. Yeah, Thank apart, you. apart from the football industry, life's going well. Yep. So I'll have to find a new hobby. Yeah. You're tired now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this stage never say never (laughs) (laughs) depends who's listening awesome mate it's been a pleasure having you on thank you everyone for tuning in we'll see you all on the next episode have a beautiful day peace out and there's another episode in the books what a beautiful human being ryan is that was a pleasure sitting down and talking with him and getting to know him uh, and a great story of someone you know, going through tough circumstances, going through drug and alcohol issues, spending time behind bars and being able to turn that all around to uh, live a really, really great life, which is what he's doing now and giving back. So a pleasure sitting down with him. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to see other episodes and all of what we spoke about in this episode. Head on over to shpodcast.com.au. That's shpodcast.com.au. And that is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is said the greatest gift one human being can give to another is the gift of their attention. And I thank you so much for that. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. Peace out. Shift, shift happens. I can't. I can't. I can't. What we do in life? Echoes in eternity. eternity.